the scripture that we're working on from Genesis. You may want to just kind of put that on your knee and, and think about that a little bit and, and, and reflect a little bit about where you're at in, in your life. And as we go through Joseph's story this summer, we also go through our story a little bit because each one of our lives is being worked out in the relationships and the challenges and the, in the easy times and in the difficult times. God has a marvelous way of growing us as His, as his people. And, and this story, we're, we're kind of drawn into it. Now, I wonder what your family says. Uh, things are, are good and, and all that stuff. There's families where they say, you know, it could be better. I know it's good, but it could be better. And it's kind of wah, wah. And then there's families the other side. They look and they say, well, you know, it's pretty bad right now. And someone will say, you know what? Could be worse. It could be worse. You think it's bad now? It could be worse. And there's those little refrains. Maybe there's something in your family that goes through your mind's eye when you uh, hear that. The thing my grandma Schreiber always used to say, my sainted grandma Schreiber, she worked at a mental hospital, and I always mystified why every county in Wisconsin has a mental hospital, but that would maybe preach that another day, but grandma would always say, and this too will pass. And it didn't matter if it was something really, really painful, it didn't matter, they, they never had any money, they lived in a very humble house, they, they just never had anything. So any sort of hiccup in their lives was a fairly big emergency. And grandma, who was a big, tough German lady, would say, well, this too will pass. And sometimes I say that. I'll find myself coming through a difficult season or a difficult time and a difficult meeting or whatnot, and I'll go, you know what, this too will pass. Think about my grandma, born before the Depression, born before World War II, all the stuff, this too will, will pass. In the ongoing story of Joseph, there's a refrain. And, and you'd think with all your heart it would be something like this, that's not fair. It seems every time we're talking about Joseph and getting into this story, it's not fair. In, and, and you would think that the author would at some point make the thing that says, and Joseph was angry and he was mad at God and he shook his fist because it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair that his brothers hated him. It wasn't fair that his father played him as a favorite. It wasn't fair that he was put in a well. It wasn't fair that they took his coat and faked to death. It wasn't fair that he was sold off to Potiphar. It wasn't fair that Potiphar's wife thought he was good-looking. I would think at some point there would be a verse in this story that said something to the extent of, and Joseph ruminated on how unfair his life was, and he was angry. But the refrain is beautiful. Carrie read it. I love when Carrie reads the refrain brackets the whole chapter, verses 2, verse 20, verse 23. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And today as we look at this story again, there's three pieces that I want to break out of this story that I think will help us understand our own lives and the context of our lives in, in, in a little more... Uh, 
spiritual way and help us open our eyes. Maybe if you're hurting today, maybe that promise, God is with you. Maybe that's all you need to hear today. Three, three things I'm going to go after in this text today. One, God was with Joseph in the good days. Two, sin was lurking in Potiphar's house. And three, God was with Joseph in jail. God was with Joseph in the good days. No kidding. Everything he touched prospered. Didn't matter where he was. Everything was good. He, he went and he got after it. And, and it says over and over in Joseph's life, and everything he touched prospered. As a matter of fact, it was so good that his boss looked at him and said, you can run the house. You can do everything. And if you do it, I know it'll be done, done well. Now, he wasn't an Egyptian. He wasn't necessarily an educated guy. He didn't have a PhD from, or an MBA from Harvard. Joseph just was blessed by God. And so in Egypt, Joseph begins to run the show. Everything he touched prospered. And those are the good days. It's easy to see God in days like that. You say, God is with me. That's right. What was the guy who hit the lotto? How much did he get this week? billion dollars. He hit the lotto, 1.2 billion dollars. The after-tax take-home of that was, yeah, $500 million. That's all, right, Tyler? Uh, Petty cash, right? That guy could sit, whether he's in a church today, and he can say, you know what? I'm $500 million richer. God is with me. It's those times when things are good that we look, and it's easy to say, "God God is with me when the career is cranking, when the marriage is strong, when the children are good, when the money's in the bank, when you're on vacation, God is with me. This is great. What's so cool is that we know how this story unfolds. And there's a a cycle in this story of seven good years and seven bad years. God is with Joseph in those seven good years. Sometimes life together in our congregation is like that. There's times where everything we touch goes very, very well. In COVID, it seemed, and I was, I was laughing this week. I know I've got a number of trustees and leaders here. It seemed like we made our plan on Thursday, and then they came on TV Friday, and we had to switch absolutely everything. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And you open this, and you move that, and you pull that lever, and oh, there's times where it seems like every time I'd open my mouth, I'd be offensive. So every time I could make a decision and track somebody off, I'd track somebody off. It seemed like every time we tried to move, it just wasn't going. But sometimes, it's really good. How grateful I am when things go well. We have lots of people, good school enrollment, lots of resources, good morale, good ministry team. It's easy to look and say, yeah, God is with St. John's. This is cool. And we as God's people need to rejoice in those good times. Point back to God and say, God is with us. God provided this. God loves us. And we are his grateful people. Seven good years in Egypt, seven bad years in Egypt. We never know what God is completely doing, but we do know this. God is with us.
something to hold on to and remember. The second piece of this text, and, and, and the most words given to this, is the piece of Potiphar's wife. And, and that's where sin is always lurking. The, the scripture here says Joseph was good looking. It says handsome and well built. And you got to put winsome in there too. There's no way he was the leader that he was without having a, a personality that drew people to himself. And Potiphar's wife, she puts herself into proximity with Joseph and, and everything's been entrusted to Joseph except Potiphar's wife. She's the free agent. She grabbed him. He ran. She held on to his scarf. She screamed. And it would have been a great time for Joseph to say, that's not fair. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't do this. And here I am in jail. And I'm in trouble with my boss. We got all this stuff to do. We got to get all of Egypt ready for this famine. And, and we're going to be able to pull it together. And I don't have time to go to jail. No matter what the season, sin is lurking. And even in saying no to sin, Joseph gets in trouble and put in jail. I like the picture of sin in Genesis 4 verse 7. God talking to Cain saying these words, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Our culture just struggles to talk about sin. Nobody wants to talk about sin, especially actual sin. Things that we do that are bad. Things that we do that are against God's will. We don't mind talking about sins of weakness, and the devil made me do it, and some of that stuff. But actual sin, sins of commission, things I did. When God is talking to Cain, he's talking about that as an entity sitting behind a door that you can't quite make out, that that's either going to jump out or sneak out at you at the inappropriate moment. Sin is crouching at your door. Even Cain, even Joseph, even you, even me, it's not fair. I get that. But I know that sin crouches and waits for its moment to pounce. For Joseph, Potiphar's gone. Potiphar's wife's chasing him. At the right moment, when it can make the most painful impact, there it is. And then sin pounces and sin Sin lurks in our lives. I wish it didn't. I, I, I wish we didn't have to worry about the brokenness of sin in the world. And one day in heaven we won't. But until that day, sin crouches at our door. And we're called repeatedly in Scripture to resist sin, as Joseph did, to run away but what's tough is sometimes we convince ourselves that we can manage our own sin. We'll open the door, let it out, let it in. We'll, we'll let sin entertain us a bit. Then we'll put it back in, the, in behind the door. And, and it can go back into the darkness until we feel the need to bring it out again. Sin management is different than fleeing from sin. And the call is to flee, to run away from evil whether it's an entity or a temptation or a weakness, person. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James writes those words in James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sin seeks to kill, to divide, to separate us from God, to separate us from one another. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sin led to a lie in Joseph's life, which led to him being in jail, which was unfair. And yet God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph in jail. There's not a point where it says, and God went a different direction. God looked and said, I think I'll find someone else. Joseph's got a little too much mojo, a little too much horsepower. We'll find someone a little more mellow and we'll plug that person into the story. But no, God was with Joseph in jail. He's with Joseph. And Joseph is prospering in jail. He's prospering in jail. Interesting that the jailer basically at the point of time lets Joseph completely run the jail. It says what? And he gave all things of authority into Joseph's leadership. God is with you in jail? Seriously? Scripture says the Lord was with Joseph. God showed him kindness and favor. God is kind. And God showed Joseph favor even in the most painful, painful moment that he'd been through. I don't have a pastor thing, right? I, I, I have a little bit of intuition. I've got some experience. But I can't look out at 450 people this morning and say, hurting good, hurting good, hurting good, hurting good. There's some that I know through the prayers and through life's experience But I do know that when men put their head down, they're watching their life like a drive-in movie screen on the back of their forehead. And they're replaying and thinking about what's gone on and the words and the scripture and the promise and those things. They're processing life. And I know when it's quiet, Knowing it's quiet that the word is having its way in your soul. And you're meditating and reflecting on what's going on in, in your life. I don't know every painful episode represented in the church this morning. But I do know that each of us go through seasons where it feels like we're in jail. And in jail, there's no choices, no plan, no guidance. Just the same yucky day that seems to go over and over and over and over again. And I do know that each of us have seasons like this. And I know this as well. That in those seasons where it feels like your heart is incarcerated, God is with you. God is with you. If you're in this season, if you're coming out of this season, or if you anticipate a season of incarceration, then I have good news for you. God's big P plan does not include you being incarcerated, you being jailed, for the rest of your life, 
dying alone, God is with you. And while life does not involve sailing on clear, blue, flat, beautiful ocean every day, there's always going to be waves, there's always going to be wind, there's always going to be things that we have to deal with. I do know that in all and every season of our lives, God is with us. I remember I see my friend Leslie here, and Leslie and Tiki, his cousin, and I went to India. Leslie said, you got it, you got to see it. And I said, okay. And they said, we've got your airplane ticket. Just meet us at the airport. We'll go. I don't usually don't travel that way. And there was something in the back of my head that said, just trust Leslie. You'll be fine. So Leslie promised my wife that we wouldn't eat any food that was so hot that I would die. And he would take me to a restaurant. He would say, you can't eat this, Pastor. You can't, you, I promised Mrs. Klinkenberg, I will, you will not eat this. <laughs> and there was one restaurant that we went to, and his face was so red. I said, Leslie, what did you eat? And his cousin said, Pastor, you don't want to know. I'm like, oh my gosh, I kind of do want to know. So Leslie and Tiki led us to a mission compound outside of Ambor, which was near Chennai. We stayed in a town called Belur. And at one point, maybe 80 years ago, maybe 50 years ago, that was the biggest stop on the Trans-Indian Railroad. It was a hospital, it was a nursing school, it was a teaching school, it was a church, it was a mission compound, all run by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and the Indian Evangelical Lutheran Church, I believe. And it had fallen into disrepair. Part of our tour was to go, go see it. And there was a point where I, I looked at Leslie and I said, well, let's go in and look. And I said, well, what? he goes, no, Pastor, we can't go in there. I said, why not? Do you remember Leslie? He said, oh, Pastor, there's snakes in there. At one point, that was a bustling, big, life-transforming, community-transforming thing. And now it had been overrun with critters. It had been overrun with squatters. It had been overrun with bad stuff going on in there. People had moved into the beautiful homes of the doctors and stuff. We did a chapel service. I'll never forget that. We got back in the car. I don't know, Leslie, if you remember, Tiki and, and I said, what are we going to do? This is so disheartening. It's just sad. And Leslie got a smile on his face. He said, Pastor, God is with us, Pastor. God is with us. I'll never forget that. I will take that to my grave. God is with us. God is with us in Jesus Christ. God knows if you're in jail. And God is with you when you're in jail. And how about this? God in Christ knows what it's like to be in jail. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Are you ready for this? To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. God is with you. 
Jesus knows the prison. He was locked in the tomb for three days, sealed with the stone and abandoned. Not just isolated from the disciples, but abandoned of God. Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The father turned his back on his son. He knows what it's like to be in that jail. And so he comes to us in those moments where we feel like we're all locked up. God is with us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, who went through the cross and the prison of the grave to be with you and me in our most difficult, painful moments. God is with us. Sometimes to wipe away the tears, we go through those moments of grief and anxiety God says, I'm with you. Sometimes he comes to us in, in, in this unknown, fearful moment and the kind of clammy hands of fear say, yeah, you think this and this is where it's going and you're never going to make it. It's going to be horrible. Just wait. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I've called you by name. You are mine walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. When you walk through the river, they will not pass you over. For I am the Holy One of Israel, your God. I am with you. He's kind. He's kind that way. Maybe Jesus just sits with you in, in your cell and reminds you that he loves you and that you're not alone. He's kind. He's kind that way. So what's the refrain? What's the refrain that we need to hear over, over, and over again? God is with us. Over and over again. Join me for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for Joseph. Thank you that there is not that piece in this story where you just walked away, you started over, but through the course and the pathway you had for him, you, you led him to, the, to, 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 to spare your covenant and your people and to bring Jesus forth. I pray this morning for those who are just struggling, that the tears come easy and the smiles come hard. You are with them. In the fellowship of this congregation, you are with them. You remind them that you wipe away tears, that you calm anxious hearts, that you take away fearful spirits, and that by your presence, you bring light and salvation and peace and love and community. None of us are alone. Bless those who you see are going into a painful spot. You see it, they don't. Grant them as many days of respite as you possibly can. And when the hurt comes down, Lord, bring, bring, bring them your presence. You are with us. Thank you for the experiences that we have in our life that remind us that you went through abandonment for us. 
And because you went through that for us, you are with us always. We look forward to the day where sin has got a, a, a big D on it for defeat. And we shine that light of your grace on that sin and we say, that's all you got? We rejoice in that strength, that power, that faith to resist the devil and watch him flee. Bless us as your children, sons and daughters of the Most High. Grant us your grace. Bless us with your presence. In Jesus' name.